0: Yeah ladies and gentlemen, niggas and crackers, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, hot girls and city boys, saints and ain'ts, and, and
1: all our Harlem family, welcome to your very own podcast.
0: All oh, welcome back to another episode of your beloved bi-monthly broadcast, Harlem's very own. I am, as always, your host Justin Winley, joined by my two boys. Oh wait, I didn't do my AKAs. Hold up, you get your motherfucker. <laughs> Trying to get my AKAs in. See, I was so stressed out. Y'all don't even know what went on behind the scenes just now. Y'all don't. I am, as always, Justin Winley, aka Levi Blackerman, aka the Cinematic Synthesizer, joined by my two illustrious co-hosts.
1: Yo, what's up? It's Jude Ali Simmons-Wilson, a.k.a. Sim Stefanucci, a.k.a. Renee Dickhard. What's up?
0: No, you didn't. Fuck <laughs> oh, yeah, I did, nigga. <laughs> All, did. Right. <laughs> All
2: right. All right.
0: <laughs> wow. Good
3: God. Uh, anyways, uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Amad K. Simmons, a.k.a. McLovin, a.k.a. Ogoon. Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we needed that laugh. Uh, yeah. And we're joined by four magnificent, super talented, black-as-you-know-what guests yes. today. I would like to start with the ladies. So, Megan, introduce yourself.
4: Hey, everybody. My name is Megan King, a.k.a. Small Power, a.k.a. Queen King. Ooh, nice to see is. you all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Y'all have plenty of time to think of them, too. I simplicity. <laughs> Next up, we have Kiki.
5: Hey, what's up? I'm Kiki, aka Mac and Cheese Bay, aka Super Hot Fire on the Flow.
0: Love it. Love it. She said Mac and Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and right. next up, Jay. Hey, it's Jay, aka Tony Morrison with a Y, aka Silent
6: the Deadly.
7: Period. And right. finally. Hey everybody. I'm Tyler Fields, aka Fitbit Scanner, aka Lucid Dream Enthusiast.
0: Love it. Oh. I love it. so um as you all know it's february most important month of the year and here at harlem's very own we like to amplify uh black history whenever we can um so we thought it would be good to put together a little round table of performers everyone that you're listening to everyone that's a guest today i should say is a performer in some capacity whether that be as a dancer or actor uh jay is also a playwright which we'll get into but by way of opening up and getting a little uh uh icebreaker is um i'd like you all to go around and tell us who your first favorite performer was and i do want you to be honest about it because they don't have to be the most impressive person it could be Pee Wee herman <laughs> i just want to know who your first favorite whether it was an actor or you know who the first time you realize like this is someone that i like watching and we could have the the host go first if uh if that helps give y'all some time to stall. Ama, do you know who your first favorite performer was?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs>
3: oh, none other than the man himself, Mr. Michael Jackson. Oh yes, I had the VHS tapes, I had the DVDs, I watched all the YouTube videos of him, and the, the, one, that, the one video that I loved the most mm-hmm. was when he arrived from under the stage and all he did was just stand there. He stood. He stood there. Everybody was fainting. I, I would have been one of them. You know, I'd be like, that's the best concert of my life.
0: But <laughs> yes,
3: Michael Jackson.
0: Beautiful. Jude?
1: Yo, Surprisingly, Usher. I, I don't know how I found him. I don't know how. I, I was like six. And I heard, yeah. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Usher was my, and then I was trying to get into hip hop. And my mom was, you know, being, you know, a white lady. And. Didn't really know what to do, and I kind of thought Usher was a rapper, and she wanted to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. So,
0: how it understandable, works. understandable. Yeah, um, I thought one of y'all at least was going to go the actor route, so my answer is going to be a little lame uh, comparatively. Uh, but I think the first actor that I realized I liked because I knew that he was acting, and this may not be surprising to anyone, was Robert Downey Jr. And he's not a black person, but that was my way of opening up the well, door in case someone has a non-Black choice because just because it's Black History Month, sometimes the people who inspire us aren't I mean, he did play
1: a Black person. That you one. don't remember <laughs> Tropic Thunder? <laughs> you don't remember Tropic Thunder?
0: No, 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 no. No, not that. Not that. I
1: mean, <laughs> um, it's the one time it was okay, allegedly.
0: Definitely <laughs> talking about Iron Man. <laughs> I hadn't seen Tropic Thunder by that point. But yeah, I was around like, I was maybe 10 when the first Iron Man movie came out. And I was like, mm. oh, this is, this is different. I mean by that point you know I, i've been watching like a lot of animated stuff you know eddie murphy was the donkey in shrek um i hadn't really seen coming to america uh you know a lot of denzel stuff was too mature for me to watch at that age yeah. um even though i knew who he was um i did somehow manage to kind of sneak in watching the matrix so lawrence fishburne would be up there too just because mm-hmm. he looked the way he did but yeah how about uh, how about y'all whoever wants to go first
4: I can piggyback off of mj definitely but i think for me as an artist like what really got me was prince diamonds and Mm. pearls is my song so whenever that comes on that was my first solo song so i was like it it gets you in the feels you know so as a a sixth grader that was my first solo moment so i stick that with me all the time
1: yeah prince hits you right in the the soul this will be
3: the Mm.
0: day yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) who hit that note was that jude Nah, it was a mod. What? Oh, because
0: <laughs> sometimes, bro. Sometimes you be.
1: It <laughs> listen, listen. Depends how much the liquor I got in my system. Depends.
0: That's what it is. Kiki, you got one?
5: I'm not gonna hold you, but my dog Chris, like young Chris, I was crushing on Chris. So See cold. breezy. See breezy. So bad, like, and I just feel like in his younger days he was really killing the stage. You know the award. Was so, it's still like on my bucket list, believe it or not, to dance next to him or dance for him something, but
0: I think that's a, that item is closer than you think and we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll unpack some of Kiki's resume later on. Oh
5: uh,
3: yeah. Thank that. you.
0: That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Jay.
6: I feel like the girls are going to drag me for this answer, but Tyler Perry, I'm-, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm
3: sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> wow,
6: I'm quite honest, yes. my first experience of theaters was, was watching—I think it was Medea's class reunion. Yes, and
0: I, <laughs> bro, you had you had the DVDs, the DVD Girl, play recordings, I have all of them,
6: <laughs> every single Tyler Perry play, even the ones that Medea is not in. Why did I get married? All of them, <laughs> all of them on DVD, and I watch them from time to time. He's not the best creative, but honestly, his work was so like it was my introduction to the, to theater.
0: Mm. I like that answer. 100%. I like that was an I honest agree. answer.
5: I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. My, <laughs> attitude.
0: my attitude. <laughs> I Agreed. Tyler, you know, from from
7: from sixth grade to eighth grade, I had the most weird and like uh, potent obsession with Ti interesting like this guy (laughs) this is amazing i i was just all in like all of his music anything and like i met him one time and (laughs) is he as short as he seems i was pretty short when i met him so i wasn't really checking for that but
1: (laughs) (laughs) and also what was the album like what was like the song that got you
7: Oh, this song called "Raw." Dum, dum, dum. You niggas ain't raw. Hell, but I don't know that bullshit you tell me. Holy, bro! I was like, bro, I was like, "Eleven." Like, you
0: niggas ain't raw. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, bro. Ti, that's a fascinating choice. That um, is amazing. Really I think, I think I that's the best
1: expected. one. <laughs> I think that's the best one. That this was, that was so, really good. It's out of left.
0: Yeah. So, as you can tell, we have a diverse group here. Um, and, uh, one of the things, (laughs) one of the things I wanted to open up with, um, and Jay, you may wind up dominating this part of the conversation, but, uh, it is, uh, award season. Uh, we're starting to get into the, uh, you know, the, the part of the year where nominations are announced for the golden globes, the, uh, screen actors guild, all that stuff. Um, and every time award season comes around and I don't actually know if there are like dance awards y'all can enlighten me on that. I'm sure there are.
4: Yeah, the
0: best scenes. Period. Mm-hmm. So every time award shows comes around, we have this conversation, especially within communities of color, about, like, you know, representation and craft and what it means to be nominated versus what it means to win and whether one is less worthwhile than the other. I'm curious, um, what do y'all think award ceremonies get right, if anything, and how can they improve? Um and uh, uh, we can we can let anyone who wants to start that start, although I should say, because I didn't say it up top, rest in peace, Cicely Tyson, uh, you know, honoring, obviously, black mm-hmm. performers in Black History Month. And she was a titan of industry. I didn't even know that she'd released a, a, a an autobiography or memoir. Um, so I got to I got to oh, check yeah. that out. Yeah. That right now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. How, how do y'all feel about um, award shows? What what goes right? What goes wrong?
5: I feel like what goes right is that they're getting the songs, movies, actresses that are touching people what's mm-hmm. most popular, you know that definitely hits it right on the nose. what's trending, or um what's actually saying something to the people is getting recognized. I feel
2: mm-hmm.
5: Do they always win. I'm not sure, but I feel like usually the ones that's making an impact in some way, shape or form is at least in the nomination list,
7: mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really good chance to uh showcase. The work that i think is meaningful to jump off kiki kind of um otherwise we wouldn't we there's just a litany of 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 tv tv shows out there movies out there if we're talking about the oscars yes and um this way kind of it kind of pigeon not pigeonhole is the wrong word it kind of zeroes in on the on the ones that that move people or Mm -hmm. attention people I think that's and ideally what the award shows are about. Award shows are trash.
6: I was I, waiting.
2: I, <laughs> <laughs> to say all of them?
6: I strongly believe that it's just like upholding this like Eurocentric view of what good art is. You have these mostly like white old men who decide what is good and what is not and Mm -hmm. i think that whole um basically what i feel like what awards show is supposed to do is like show efficiency in the craft and in that case i feel like the golden globes should really be ashamed of themselves for that nominations list because i think i may destroy you was probably out of any of those things nominated the most efficient and i think like it's 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 purpose and it's art making in terms of like making people think and opening up conversations, which I feel like it's art is supposed to do. Um, and for Emily in Paris to get not only a nomination period, but a nomination for like best like comedy and like uh, like best actress. I think it really shows like how much we, you know, really praise like white, uh, like um, mediocre uh, art. And it's just extremely racist. And yeah, I just say, get, get it get it out, get award shows out, 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 So be gone with award shows, like
1: be gone with the Grammys, be gone with the Academy, be gone, be gone. Yes, yes.
0: Interesting. Any feedback from the other, well, Megan, you haven't gone yet.
4: Yeah, I get where where you're you're coming coming from, Jay. I think that it tends to feed into more entertainment, like getting people to to view it. It seems like, okay, the Grammys are on tonight, I'm I'm gonna be watching it, who's watching it tonight? And I think that people who, who win tend to be like the, just the trending popular opinion, but not always the best of that category. So I'll be there like, how did you clearly not see that this was the best fit? And it's just mm-hmm. like, OK, this trending number one thing yeah. that I'm like, OK, just got a lot of fans to come watch is what won. You know, so not, mm-hmm. not necessarily accurate, but for entertainment purposes, for some things, not all.
1: Right. Yeah. Like Macklemore and Chance the Rapper winning Grammys.
0: Yeah. Or Macklemore winning over Kendrick. Well, or Nicki Minaj not winning a Grammy. Mm. yeah i mean there's lots of examples it it, it's well this is this is this is so interesting um i forgot the first thing i wanted to say so i'll just go to the second thing which is uh, a question do y'all do y'all believe and this can just be a yes or no um that art should have objective standards of like quality i'm seeing a head shake no okay interesting because I I was thinking about this recently, Jude, actually, in in conjunction with uh, something that we learned in training uh, or that we talk about a lot in training when Sifu talks about attributes um, versus technique. Right. So Mm -hmm. he was talking about how, you know, the the thing that separates like fighters from martial artists is attributes, usually athleticism, um, aggression, uh, stuff like that, attributes, Mm -hmm. technique is the domain of the martial artist, because I can spend years perfecting a certain series of movements, whether or not I ever actually have to test them in any sort of way, right? And so I started to apply that to art because I think that that's where we get critics, right? Critics are people who have the technique of something understood. They got that on lock, but they don't have the attributes to do it themselves. That's why someone can criticize a film and say, this film is not good because of this, but I can't myself make a film. I'm not a director. I'm not a, I'm not a writer. I'm not a filmmaker, right? So in that realm, I'm wondering like, I, I well, I guess I would ask, do you guys agree that that's the case? And then if that's the case, can we criticize something without having an objective standard? Because then what are we actually saying that it fails to meet?
6: I will say this about uh, the idea of like technique and standard. Where well, I think the, like where the problem lies is that what is like the standard seems very once again like eurocentric like when we consider like what is what makes a good film for a long period of time i think up until recently the standards have been like citizen kane um you know the godfather all of these films created by like like white people and like whiteness has always been the um the And so that's why I say, like, we need to get rid of award shows, because this idea of, like, what makes a good film, what makes a good show, what makes a good actor is purely, va- is, is, all of it is subjective, for real. Mm-hmm. Um, like to say that whiteness is the, like, objective view, or is the standard, or is the technique, is a problematic view in general. Because, like I said, I love Tyler Perry. Ooh, no. No, no, no. I don't. I take that back. Ooh. Wait. I that back. <laughs> you said Wait, what you said.
1: That you said what you said.
2: You said what
6: you said. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Freudian slip? No, I enjoy... I really do enjoy his work. And to be and to be like, does he make good work? To me, it's kind of... Like, like, turn off your brain? important. You know? Mm-hmm. It's just not important. Because if I enjoy watching it, and I could watch seven plays in a row, what... Who cares if it's, like, the next... You know, I, if it's not a masterpiece, it's enjoyable. which is like art. Mm. Yeah, I don't
1: know. What about, like, even just destroying the idea of critics, like movie reviews, television reviews, or even music I, reviews? I, Abandon I, I, all that?
6: We can still have those, because that's people's, like, point of view on, on art, and I think even criticism is an art in itself. But to, to... I guess to be like, this is good or this is bad without really any critical analysis... cultural analysis on the art, like really framing the art itself. Um, Like I may destroy you. It's important that it was made during this time by who it was made by. And we have to take all of those things into account, not just the art itself.
1: And one last thing, would it be
6: better if we could, if uh, an award show
1: would uh, tell you why they pick what they picked? And of course have more uh, representations from, Black folks, Asian folks, uh, folks in the LGBTQ community, folks in um, the disabled community, would that also help in their case? To keep them alive, because some people still do enjoy watching award shows. Mm -hmm. If they incorporated those groups and also told the audience why they picked what, Mm -hmm. would that be a redeeming thing?
6: It's... It, it's hard because I know there's not one person who's picking and who's nominating,
2: mm-hmm. and so everyone's Jim reasons, Oscar. Yeah,
6: <laughs> everyone's reasons is going to be different, um, and I don't necessarily think diversity is the issue here because it's one thing to be seen, but it's another thing to be heard. It's not like I have a problem with like them not nominating black stuff. I have a problem with them not recognizing like stuff that had an impact. And them not listening to us being like, we really vibe with this piece of art. We this piece of art really had an impact on how we lived our lives. And for them not to include that art in the conversation shows that they're not they're not hearing us. They're not hearing the conversations that have been that are being had.
0: Okay. Right. Which I think points to um what Megan was saying. It indicates the the root of this being in, you know, in money, right? Because like we know that we can get it we can put a bunch of celebrities in a room and people will tune in to see the dresses and the suits and the gowns and the jokes um but whether or not the things that they're talking about are like if it really was about art it might not might not be as entertaining like like imagine because if what if this was the oscars like a bunch of people sitting around being like well i thought that this piece of art was i mean it would be interesting to maybe some of us because that's how who we are but the broader public is not going to want to sit down and watch a round table, you know, or watch Vanity Fair director's roundtable, table, right? So they have to, they do have to, they have to make something that is, that strikes a balance between, okay, like we can't ignore Moonlight, for example. Moonlight came out, we can't not nominate that for something. Um, but they also have to include things that like the 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 majority of people would want to, spend three hours watching to find out the result of um so yeah i thought that that was that was a great response i didn't necessarily mean to get this deep this early but i like it <laughs> i i do want to I, I we have some general questions and we do have some specific questions i'm going to ask my first specific question before i pass it off to my co-hosts for theirs um megan this is for you so recently uh, pivoting now to entirely toward the world of dance, I was watching uh, an interview with Misty Copeland, who we all know who that is. Um, and she was being asked about, you know, racism in ballet, blackface in ballet, you know, uh, and she talked about the process of casting. And I think when most people hear casting, they immediately think about film and actors. Right. But I I'm wondering if you can educate us and our audience a bit on how dance casting is distinct from actor casting, uh, especially as a ballerina, and what kinds of barriers exist, if any. They do exist, but if any, for black dancers.
4: Yeah, you know, for me, I've been fortunate to be in places and spaces that are welcoming of all body types, of all cultures. You know, so I've been I've been adamant about putting myself in places that I feel loved that I want to, be, to love others, you know what I mean? So I, I've trained at Ailey at LaGuardia, like those are places that welcome all types. So I think that I personally haven't, haven't got to, got, gotten to experience that which is like fortunate compared to many black dancers. But I will say that in other places, if you go to more elitist companies, you know, that are more um, funded by white donors, you know, that's a, that's a lot of the dance world. You'll see a lot of that where they will cast people who are either more in seniority because they they know that they'll get more people to come watch, you know what I mean, or it'll be people who fund for that for that program for that company. People who have people uh, on their on their backs donating for these foundations. Right. You have money. Sometimes you get your way up, you know. But that's anywhere. It's it's not so different from like real life. It's a reflection of life in the arts community. You kind of see that it kind of infiltrates, and we get the like a ripple effect of what happens in real life in the dance community. You know, so the same things you see in people being able to buy their way into colleges and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, you see that and find your way up up in that first principal spot, you know, it's not everywhere, but it does exist. We can't, we can't turn a blind eye to it, but I will say that in terms of, in terms of race, it is hard being in a company that's not, I guess, as diverse as Ailey would be, you know. It's harder to have a black girl be that lead spot, like for Misty to finally be a principal dancer. That wasn't so long ago. You know, it took a long time to do that. It took a long time for us to get the first brown satin point shoe, you know, that's now coming mm. out and becoming a big thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's difficult for us to, yeah. to find our, our way in the forefront. But there are people paving the way, but it's just that there should be a lot more now. It took a while and it's not happening quickly enough now that it is a trending thing, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it it, it, that was I think that that
4: since Missy, you see a lot more, but it's still not. Yeah,
0: Yeah. um, there was a uh something that she said to the effect of like you know, there should really be no reason that a black woman can't be cast as the principal role in um Swan Lake, right? Because like swans don't have race, so Mm -hmm. what do you mean that this that the principal dancer has to be white? (laughs) You know, it's 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 interesting, um, and and dance is so it's such a different world when it comes to storytelling and character that I want to circle back to later on. Um, but yeah, I know that, uh, Jude, you had a question about, uh, well, you can ask whichever question you want. I'm not going to, you know, telegraph it. (laughs) I don't want to pass it to you though.
1: It's all good. It's all good. Um, what is something that is, it's a general question. What's something, uh, you guys find overwhelmingly beautiful? Like what's something so visceral that shook you? You're like, Oh shit, a painting movie, a song tv show anything like that i'm taking i'm taking a an aesthetics class so i'm just understood trying to to get this up here
5: (laughs) i would say like something i find i'm not sure if this will answer your question but something that i find beautiful right is when i see an artist put themselves there right i think with social media now it's kind of very surface level and a lot of the art that's being put out and created is very surface level and it doesn't really attack or um, tell the story that really needs to be told, right? Like um, somebody dealing with depression or suicide, right? That's a very dark, dark thing to be in and also express and I feel like, how do I explain this? I just feel like when I dance, there's topics that I really try to embody when I dance, that when somebody watches it, they can be like, oh, I understand this because I've been there. Like I've been like at the side of my bed, like crying, hurled in a ball. But like, obviously I don't actually do that, but you do it in a way that's recognizable to a person who might be going through it. And when they see that someone else has gone through it or they see how somebody else has overcome it, then it it sparks a like in them. And then now they, feel that they're not alone and then that creates another wave. And then now they're also creating thing that's in depth. It's attacking a story that is actually happening versus what people want to see or want to hear. Or so I feel like it's uh, I just want to say that it's I like to see artists be brave about the stories that they're trying to tell and tell the stories that people may not necessarily want to hear. So the one that's Mm. a little bit more impactful and not so impressive. You know what I'm trying to say?
7: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I kind of just want to jump off of Kiki again. Keep doing that, you know, there's there's something undeniable about a a person who is putting themselves in their art. It's something that is so vulnerable and so powerful, and so, to your words, you beautiful, when someone can just let everything else go and be with the project or with the Mm -hmm. work with the with the dance piece um i think that vulnerability is really beautiful especially black vulnerability because it's so hard to encourage black people to feel like they can feel Mm. so yeah
5: you hear it when a singer is singing a song like that song and i am telling you right? right when they're speaking about being abused or they're speaking about needing somebody when they're speaking about a certain type of attachment it's like you can hear it in their voice but you can hear it because they literally like consciously put themselves there so yes. that when it's sung to you or when you see this happening or when you're watching these movies by these actors and actresses and it's 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 almost like so realistic I feel like that level of vulnerability is rare I think I don't know if I'm making any sense but it's 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 such like a tiny a tiny switch that happens when an artist is willing to just go there and not act it but like be it and I feel like that's what art is that's what we're supposed to be doing is. Telling these stories that are happening, and it's not supposed to be surface. It's supposed to be in depth. Supposed to be told like it is, and I feel like that's where, no, like Black Lives Matter movement, all that is kind of coming out because now we're telling you like it is. We're not telling you what you want to hear. We're, now we're just we're so tired of it that now we're, we're we're just telling you straight up. And then the whole world is like, wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me that this happened, and we're like, yes, we've been trying to tell you, but I feel like the whole time we're kind of like saying it nicely. And I feel like art has to go that route where it's not so nice. It's more just real. In general, I love seeing art, whether
4: it be film or dance or whatever that might be, that, that showcases Black joy. Because we see so much of our, mm. of, our of our culture being pulled down and the, and the weight of what it means to be Black, the burden of what it means to be Black. And that's valid. You know, we, we, people we feel that in our spirit. But at the same t- time, our history started before slavery. You know, there was a lot more joy in our community that needs to be celebrated and showcased in media so that people don't always think that we're the sad Black woman, sad Black man, you know. There's a lot more complexity to our culture that I love to see in film. And when I do see, I'm like, okay, you guys you guys took it there, as opposed to just making it easy, the easy, like, portrayal of, okay, this is the father who's not part of this family. Like, the, the more stereotypical scenario painted in, in media. I want to see things that represent actual people. You know, the joy that we have and how we dance, how we celebrate our community gatherings, stuff like that, that you don't see much of. But you yeah. see the gangs represented. You see all the violence. That's not that's not all that we are. Mm-hmm. That's in every community. Violence happens everywhere, you know, but it seems that it's painted and it's, it's geared more towards the black community.
7: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I was Loving just this. I was just talking about that the other day when it came to. um of what, of what Megan just, uh, said at the end about how people want to pinpoint it at the black community when it comes to the word violence. Uh, which is why, you know, anytime that I would speak to, uh, probably somebody that's over 50, um, they would want to talk about black on black crime. And that's, I-, I feel like that that's still something that people, uh, want to attack us with it's like, oh, but you got all, all that black all that black on black crime in y'all community. Y'all, y'all are still back at square one. Y'all got all that black on black crime, this. And I'm like, it, it's literally, it's literally crime everywhere in every race, in every town.
2: Right. It's
3: not just, it's not just us, but you want to shove it in our faces like we're not trying
0: to change. And, you know, I, I mean, not to mention, like, all the history that goes into how black people wind up in close proximity with each other to begin with, right. which obviously anyone who lives around other people, if crime happens, it's going to happen to those people. So it's kind of like a dumb, it's a redundant phrase, but that's not really what this is about. I don't want yeah. <laughs> to get too heated, but you this Let's just go, let's just- But hang on, Jude, I don't know if Jay okay. had, a, had, a, had a- Oh, Jay you know,
6: got something. I, I just, I like to look at, I like to look at like water, L- large bodies of water are incredible. Probably, um, beautiful. To me. That's
2: it. Mm.
1: He didn't get too, he didn't get too brolic with it. He said, nah,
6: <laughs> I like water.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And um, yeah, Ahmad, I was going to say
3: Ahmad. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> um, so my, uh, I want to go to the, specific question uh jay love you you have been a playwright for some time and had you, your plays brought to life on the big stage which is amazing and um your your your, your piece if men if men were flowers yes yes sir yes sir i'll let them give you that one clap, right it up, clap it up real quick and, and nice little clap nice little clap <laughs> for you <laughs> um but i know that as a playwright it often takes time when you make these places these these ideas like you are uh, sort of like more of a cauldron you want to add some spices in there some ingredients and stuff that, that'll get it that'll get it brewing um for for a person like jay you good stuff uh what are some of the things that help you um create a new piece but what are, what are what are some of your inspirations that that you can grasp uh, to to make something new or something fresh that will impact a certain community or a li- or a large body of, of people?
6: So it's it's always different for each story. Susan Lloyd Parks says this thing like uh, the story uh, informs the structure, and so like if men were flowers, specifically, um, I had to do that. Uh, for the Fire This Time Festival, and it was very last minute. So I had wrote that piece in a night. Um, and so the rush of that piece sort of informed, like, the rush of 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 the story, the story. This, this sort of, like, theme of, like, dwindling time. Um, and sort of, like, well, other places is different, but I, I think the main thing for me is, like, language. Um, I firmly believe that, like, language is just, like, the foundation of, like, everything that is just everything. Um, giving mm-hmm. words to things like the bible says like in in the beginning was the word and the word was god and the word was with god and i think everything like that, that's that's added space is like the language what is the language of this piece what is the the um the vehicle that these words are going to like go through all of those things are like yeah that's that's
0: really how i like formulate these pieces i was hoping he'd go biblical with it <laughs> yeah i mean even when you look at the word universe uh meaning one word um yeah. and uh yeah that's 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 real man absolutely language is the root and for those of you who don't know jay is a voracious reader uh they're constantly updating their instagram story with this is what i'm reading now <laughs> and there's a whole highlight on your page i believe and i'd be like trying to take notes so that i can keep right. <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep us updated on,
3: on on the latest on the latest books
0: absolutely so,
3: yes yes that's beautiful that that is absolutely beautiful and um i don't know like can you just give us a nice little nice little preview as to what what the next piece might be or are you are you brewing something right now
2: yes
6: there's a play that, um that will be coming later on in 2021 called this is how you destroy a body I can't say much about the story. Just know that things, this is how you destroy a body means multiple things. There's a little bit of murder in it. Um, And so
0: just like, just keep your eyes open. Man, I don't. Okay. Pete. Listen, man, the titles that Jay comes up with, I'd be sitting here like, I wish I thought of that. (laughs) 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 This is how you destroy a body, beautiful. I can't wait for hey. that. Um, and we'll, we'll make sure, please remind me to, to let you all plug yourselves at the end, your Instagrams, your Twitters, your YouTubes, your MySpaces, all that. Um, I wanna direct this next specific question to my good friend, Tyler. So one of the AKAs that you didn't mention up top was the Blackter. And uh, it's a YouTube series that you run uh, where you, you, <laughs> where you, you recreate um, uh, notable scenes from film, TV, and stage. Uh, uh, but the catches that you're doing with all black people. Um, we do see a lot, especially in the past few years with popular media, we do see a lot of race racial switching, you know characters who maybe are traditionally white, they get swapped into a black character. We saw it with the human torch in Fantastic Four. they Michael B Jordan we <laughs> went to mixed results um we've seen it <laughs> we've seen it done several times even to a certain extent with the star wars films the first face we saw of the new trilogy was John Boyega and we all know how that went too but i wonder what you would say first of all you can just use this as an opportunity to talk about the reemblactor and how it came about but um what would you say to someone who suggests that the reemblactor is a kind of a redundant project that maybe you're not actually adding value to it by just being a black person doing the same scene. Um, Criticism has come up.
7: Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've heard it before actually. And uh, The Reign Blacker is uh, um, a YouTube series that I began back in 2018, uh, no, 19, I think now, yeah. Or maybe it was was later in 2018, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is uh, a channel dedicated, as Justin said, to the uh, reenactment of popular movie scenes. Um, that were initially done with white actors, and doing them with all black actors. Um, when I was thinking about this concept, I I kept feeling that there were, it just it's something that is it was that that's needed to have to see to be able to see these scenes that are so famously white pretty much done with black people and then you can still understand them and feel for them and and follow them and and get engaged and involved with them the the switching of the roles um is important uh because black people like like megan said are given a lot of the time these easy or like redundant or what I want to say stereotypical parts where it's just like father was murdered or this kid's on crack and it's like this and like that. And it's like, Oh my God. And I, I really wanted to try and as much as I could display the full humanity of black people through this. And I wanted to, to be for people to be able to see the nuances and that they're still there with the black skin and that, if 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 not even it might even heighten heighten how you feel about the scene. Mm-hmm. As, to, as to the question, is it redundant? That's it. It sounds that that to me would be like I I don't know I don't the people I've heard say this to me are white people. They just didn't. They just they were just resistant to it. It just felt like like general resistance and in it can and i in my in my opinion it's not redundant because we've we've never seen these these scenes these specific scenes um I don't know it, but it is like when you bring when you bring up stuff, just in like the, the like the human torch mm-hmm. like we see we do we do see that it's it's always it's always. It's always like nice from the public we're always like okay cool like this person's black now like that's that's good um but what it's really doing that we i feel like might elude us what it's really doing is like putting this character and like that's been traditionally white for so long in front of all these people and this huge audience which is mostly white i mean film and tv the arts is mostly white so we're putting in front of mostly white people and making them say making that making them watch it and making them uh understand that it could be different it could be this way and hopefully hopefully the idea is that it would open up people's i perceptions about yeah uh, possible
0: yeah um Thank you, that was, that was great. I, um, it, it reminds me of a conversation I had with my father a long time ago. Um, I think it was during the whole Oscar So White season. Um, and we were kind of talking about, you know, basically I remember him venting, well not venting, but he was um, pretty much saying that he feels able to, um, when he sees a white actor, he feels like he's, he's more able to project a character like to, well, rather to understand the character that they're playing rather than when he sees another black person, like he was, he's already framing them in his mind based on like similarity and, and whatnot. So in that it makes it harder for him to understand a black person playing a character. What, what I later read, which kind of equip, better equipped me to do that is um, Richard Dyer, uh, White, um, which is a, a collection of essays about like whiteness. And, um, you know, more than just being a white person, like what whiteness is as a structure of whatever. And um, one of the most profound things in that was was basically this revelation that, like, based on history and the fact that European people were, you know, fighting amongst themselves and then branched out to colonize, like, they were able to center whiteness. They were able to put whiteness in a position of, of centricity, if that's not a word it is now, and say, like, this is... This, this is normal everything else is othered we discovered you know um the Indians we discovered the Africans and so they are different from us and so yeah that's like that's the whiteness has a central position in culture and so I think what the re and does that's really interesting as you said Tyler is it imagine it allows you to imagine that default being undone not even really reversed because I, I don't I don't necessarily think that it's like, you're doing this. It's not, it's not at the expense of the white performers. Like all these scenes have been done before. So it's not like you're taking anything away from anyone, but it, it in addition to just allowing you to showcase your skills and everyone else who who works with you, um, it invites on a, on a theoretical level, uh, it invites the audience to imagine that, it, it to imagine people to see like people, you know and 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 I think that that's what uh, and it, it's it's a better gift to the the idea of acting overall when like you can say, okay, I, I can look at I can look at uh, the Dark Knight with Christian Bale and Heath Ledger, and then I can look at the version that Tyler did, um and I can see that, you know, budget aside. It's, there's, <laughs> you know, this, this is the same idea being transmitted and it's really not that different, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I was, uh, I, I like that answer. <laughs> thank you, sir. Um, going back to another general question before we get specific again, um, maybe this will be a bit more fun just to bring things up again. What is one thing, and this, this is for dancers and actors, cause I don't know what, you know, what is one thing you absolutely will not do for a role? Like, where does the buck stop? Where are you like, I'm not doing it? And yes, Jay, this is partially inspired by your question about whether or not people would let them spit on them. Um, but yeah, I... I <laughs> wow. I'm curious to know what is one thing you absolutely, you know, will not do or a few things. Um, and and I, I'd actually like to start with the dancers because I don't know if there are requirements for y'all in the same way that it's like when you're mm-hmm. filling when you're filling a role in a, in the nutcracker and they want you to do a certain thing, like, how does that, how does that work? You know, it's not like a script. I mean, there is, but it's, it's not like you have to say a certain thing that you don't want to say.
4: I feel like it's different Uh in the dance world, you know, because I feel like with actors, you guys are are perceiving, you're um, portraying people in in like, in like life and all, in all, in all aspects. Right. Mm -hmm. But for dance, it's like, I'm, I'm telling a story. Not so much, like, if I was doing a story ballet, maybe it's, like, a a more romantic scene I'd have to portray. But it's not so much, like, a boundary that I wouldn't want to pass, you know? It's, it's like, a fight scene, maybe, but, like, (laughs) I don't
1: know. Or particular skill. Yeah, it's a little
4: different, yeah.
1: Or the particular, Um, physical thing, like, you know, I don't know the moves in ballet. I took the one class when I was seven. (laughs) But is there anything physical in ballet or dance or kiki? But they're both dance, but... Different, different styles mm-hmm. is there something physical that you're like just like i ain't doing that shit
2: mm.
5: in the mm. commercial realm it's a little right it's like if you're doing a movie right it's yeah it depends on the part you're playing you could be the, the music video vixing girl right which is kind of like you're walking you're like come here you know and then you have the girls who are like you know on the pole like Doing the thing, you know what I'm saying, and work, working,
0: working, they're working, working right? <laughs> the girls
5: that are like okay with being touched, and you have the girls that,
0: right?
5: I'm okay with being touched, you know. I'm, I would say, I'm a little bit more the teaser girl, right? Like, I'm not saying that I think I would stop probably at like complete full nudity, like, right, um, solid. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll put on, you know,
2: I'll, I'll put, put on. A on show.
5: <laughs> Maybe I prefer not to be touched, but I'll put on the outfit and, you know, dance, like, over there. And then, you know, yeah. Rick Ross is, like, over there. And, you know, that that's, <laughs> I'm willing to do that. Oh. <laughs> I'm willing to be um, the, the fully nude girl, being touched, you know, on camera. Yes. Yeah. I'm okay with that just because like I said, the commercial world has a lot of different things and certain roles can take you out of other jobs. So you have to be really, 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 really cautious. And in the commercial world, right, the jobs kind of come and go. So when you're not on camera, what are you doing behind the scenes? For me, I yeah. work with children in nonprofit organizations. I'm teaching dance classes. So I might want to be a little bit more mindful about.
1: Yeah, like the little kid sees you in a Rosé video.
5: Right. You,
0: you, 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 So so you're saying you shouldn't pop up and watch. That Should not be that <laughs> nah, she can pop
1: up in WAP, bro, but she's not showing the WAP. That's it, understandable. That's
0: what it
5: is. Understanding when they're younger because that's the music they're listening to, but that's not my business. I just mm-hmm. Kiki will not be doing you know yeah. those those roles, and there's nothing against it because you know everybody's mm-hmm. comfortable with different things, but um, I think that for dance and as far as acting, um. I always say like I don't know if I'm willing to like shave off like my hair or gain mm. five hundred pounds. I know some actors do it, like um like men will grow out facial hair or like shave it completely and you know for different things. I don't know if I'm willing to gain like
0: transformation
5: weight for for just one specific role just mm-hmm. because I'm more in the commercial realm, so it's a little bit more short term and I just don't mm. know if it's worth it, you know. Shaving my head. Maybe I can I go back and forth with it because if we're paying if the check you know is right right we got wigs we got you know can, <laughs> that's no problem um so I go back and forth with that but I think those two things acting wise I don't think I'd be willing and then for dance complete nudity is a no for me
0: cool, cool.
3: I would love <laughs> to answer this question after everybody else goes
4: got you.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Megan, did you want to go?
4: Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that. I think it's a good point that you mentioned the nudity thing, because I think that commercial versus concert is a whole different world. Like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't ever be nude on camera for it to be seen over and over. But in a live performance, Mm -hmm. it happens all the time. In Europe, it's like a thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's it's like people won't take it back to be able to watch it again. It's just like in the moment, can you appreciate the human body as it is in its natural form? So it's really different. I, I don't think I would mind it so much if I was called to do that in live performance, but film is different. Mm. Don't know why that's a weird... Yeah, it's a weird thing for me,
5: but...
0: Understandable. You don't know where that's yeah, going.
5: Exactly. <laughs> they have like suits. Like I know in like the concert world, if they're trying to do something that's a little bit more nude or need to be more focused on the body, you'll have a body, a suit that's the color of your skin. So you'll look naked, but you might... You're not exactly portraying it in that realm. Right. Also, mm-hmm. a little bit more artistic. So it's more about shapes and lines versus the... Bong, bong the shape and features of a woman's body, you know, or a male's body. It's not just women. Um, but yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
5: it depends on the role. The role has its description. It's like a job description. What's in the description and how much.
0: Yeah. Pay me. Right. Pay me
5: (laughs) (laughs) paid well enough for it. And then two, what will it take you out of? You know, Mm -hmm. so
0: yeah. Jay or Tyler.
6: Um, It's so, it, it, I, I agree with Kiki. It, de- it really depends on the role. I really, I used to be the actor like I'm with it all. Like, do what you need to do to me, spit on me, slap me, choke me, you know, I'm, anything <laughs> that you need. <laughs> anything that you need to do to me. It's horrible decisions. <laughs> <as long. laughs> you know, because when you're, when, I feel like when you're so new to it, you're just yeah, yeah. saying yes to everything. You think
0: you Daniel Day-Lewis and then you realize.
6: (laughs) You're saying yes to everything. But now I'm at a point where I actually, the reason why I don't act so much is because I don't go out for everything that is sent to me because it's it's even not so much like a body thing. It's more like who is the character I'm portraying. Um, I don't do like roles that I just don't. I don't want to step into per se. And that has even nothing to do with the physical challenges. Cause if I want to step into that character and into that role, I'll do whatever is needed to tell that story. But if I feel like it's a story that I don't want to do, that's more of what like my decision process, process yeah. is. Guess,
7: Tyler? Yeah, I guess it's my turn. I don't really, um, can't really think of something I would not do. Like, mm never do like we're talking never
0: like it's like know. it's like it's uh i mean never say never right but something that like if someone mentioned it to you your immediate reaction would be huh you want me to do what <laughs> like
7: a slave movie got gotcha i like that one <laughs> that's dope like fuck that shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah understandable i mean for for me well ahmad you you said you wanted to go
3: yeah i <clears throat> I for one agree with Tyler cuz that was going to be one of the first ones I was going to say. <laughs> um and this is not me uh this is not me bringing any of the known actors down for the ones who were in a slave movies like mm-hmm. Jimmy Fox or Denzel Washington or Sissy or anybody from roots. 4. You killed that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Literally. Um and it's it's not me coming at them and all that. I I just feel like for myself, I cannot go through with that. Like if somebody asked me, yeah, we're gonna need, we're gonna, how how would you feel about playing a slave? Just just off of that, just no. I I, I really do not want to portray a slave. I don't want to go back and have that, have that, to try to get into the mindset of being a slave, but being controlled day in and day out. And uh, yeah, that's not, that's not even something that I I will see myself wanting to do. Um, And as Jay uh, said, when it came to you being a, a young actor, you will want to do everything. Like it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm down for whatever. no, um, <laughs> I, 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 I cannot, I, I cannot out the full nudity. I really do not know. I'm not trying to be Marlon Wayans out here with my ass out.
1: Um, yeah, that's a lot,
3: <laughs> but, uh, and I know what Jay was saying, spit on. Now, see, this is with everybody, um, that is from a certain state called, uh, New York. <laughs> if someone were to spit on you, <laughs> your <laughs> immediate reflex is duffing and they live exactly <laughs> exactly and so me being in that mode and i just feel a, uh, I just feel some saliva just being projected out to my face i'm gonna have to say cut my damn self <laughs> <Can> I- <laughs> I-
6: hold on i, I want to say something real quick I-, I was watching queen sugar and like there was this is the scene where this white man has to spit on this black woman and mm. the who the spit was so much? It was so much, and I think I would get spit on 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 the stage, but a film. By you a gotta do
0: multiple movie. takes. Yes,
6: multiple? it's a rap. It's no. no. <laughs> <Nah>, I'm <heard laughs> have bumps on your face. <laughs>
3: like, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely that. not.
0: Especially not with COVID. Um, Especially um, not. I think for me, the the. <laughs> The line is usually, uh, and I've thought of this, the line is usually abuse. I don't want to play anyone who's an abuser of any kind. Um, I agree. I just don't think, especially like, I was always a little kid who preferred the villains in stories, right? So like Mm -hmm. Scar is my favorite Lion King character. I was all into Magneto and all that. I'll play like like an antagonist, sure. But like, I don't want to be Blair Underwood in... um,
3: Medea's family, family reunion. reunion. Yeah, yeah, that's the one.
0: <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, smacking people around or like any anything to do with assault. I'm good off that. And I think um, you know, that speaks a little bit to uh stereotypes that we want to try to avoid perpetuating, you know? Um, so yeah, that was uh I like those answers, guys. Um, Jude, you have another question, specific or general, you want to ask?
1: I'm going to hit I'm going to hit you out with a specific question to Tyler. When you're in doubt about your skills as an actor, what do you do to light the fire inside you again?
7: It'll have to be watch a favorite movie. And what is that? Dark Knight. There's
2: There's heat right
1: there. there. What about it just brings it out of you?
7: It's just see, watching watching Heath Ledger in that role and watching him embody that character. It's just that thing that Kiki was talking about earlier of, of mm-hmm. like seeing an actor really, really put themselves somewhere else.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: That's not like in the world that we're in, and that is just magical. That was the first performance that I was like, "That is," and it, it always it always reignites my. Always like kicks me in the butt a little bit. I'm always like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just I'm remembering. Yeah, this is this is a thing. Okay, I got yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um,
3: that, I I feel like that that actually brings me close to 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 my question as far as like bringing the fire back. Mm. Um, this is a general for everybody in regards to wanting to bring the fire back and having it being uh put out. COVID plays a big part of, in 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 all of our careers um when, when it first came and everything was canceled everything was shut down pretty sure a lot of us didn't know where to start like what, what was the first step going to be when everything was canceled um and broadway being uh, uh shut down as well and you know of course i see you know certain actors and certain dancers and a playwright here who who may be one day have their play being put on the big Broadway stage, um, how did that affect you guys? And what was what was something that you had to tell yourself in order to bring to put yourself back into work mode?
4: I definitely had to tap into my other talents. I think that for a time, I didn't I didn't lose my passion for dance, but I had to, I had to infiltrate other passions of mine. Like I loved huh. to write. So I knew I had to tap into, okay, when I was a freshman in college, I wanted to write a book. So why not start that now? I got I got some of my little drafts back out. And then I see that sometimes that writing and that younger self, how I thought then influences how I think now. You know, that's so why I, I tend to journal every day, five minutes a day. The first thing I do in the morning is write something. So that inspires me to my movement. I let it translate because like you said, Jay, words are my language. You think that dancers don't speak, but we do a lot with our bodies. Everything I say is a conversation with how I move. So, I definitely have to tap into my writing. I crochet a lot just to, like, the needles, they dance, you know, as you mm-hmm. crochet. So, it's different metaphorical things that I do for myself that give me that kind of passion again, just sitting outside in nature, things that refuel me and my spirit so I can tap in and be full again.
3: Yeah. That's kind of funny because my mom, she crochets as well. And so, like, for you saying those needles dancing, I always see her going at it <laughs> day by day. I'm sorry. Y'all go, yeah, y'all keep going. <laughs>
5: I think it's important to stay inspired I mean I'm not gonna lie I was I was put in a funk for a while first it was like no graduation then people were I mean god bless I'm dying left and right then it's like okay if you're not from like I'm not from New York so <laughs> we need work right to mm-hmm. stay so I was like so how am I about to stay here because I didn't want to go back to my comfort zone right mm-hmm. and then like all these emotions kind of coming up and it was just like you're trying to like ignore it because you're so busy right like as an artist before COVID it was like things were happening left and right I didn't really have time to think about how I felt like feeling what was that it was like what was that and what was sleep it was just back and forth back and forth back and forth so when this hit and there was nothing happening I was like oh great now I gotta deal with it you know yes. I was, was like the demon right there um but it kind of took time. And I think like what Megan was saying, tapping into the other passions was like, that is chef's kiss. Number one, I think the best advice that could ever be said to a a creative, especially because I think naturally we have multiple, it's never really just one, at least for me. Um, I love to dance, but I also am curious about, you know, creative direction. I'm creative or curious about sewing, cooking, um, If I wasn't a dancer, I'd probably be like a track runner, you know, (laughs) skating, like myself, put my skates on the other day in the snow and I was over here roll bouncing. So now you have all this time to figure out who you are as a person and not just as an artist, you know, Yes, I I found that I have almost like an alter ego, right? It's like, I'm me, right? My actual name is Kiara, right? There's Kiara who loves to have friends, who loves to go out, who loves to cook, who loves to, you know, watch movies. And then there's like Kiki who's like, okay she needs to dance, she needs music, she needs makeup, she needs her hair, her eyeliner, you know, she has a whole different energy that both need to be fed to be who I am, right, which yes. is energies. Um, but I think staying inspired, something I've been doing is reading, I've been reading the book, The Artist Way, which is kind of like a self-help book, but for creatives, and it actually has an exercise like what megan was saying also is to journal every morning i think it's called morning pages is what she calls it in the book and you are just supposed to just rent like vent off in the morning three pages nonstop. just let the let the holy spirit don't take your hand (laughs) right and because of that the reason why is because another thing that tapping back into your fire is is dealing with the problem right and Mm -hmm. a lot of we don't know what that is because there's so much going through our head but the morning pages or journaling in general helps you clear it right it helps you you start writing probably gibberish and then eventually it kind of like naturally forms into like a sequence right and then it's you you don't even realize it but you're putting it into perspective and then when you go back and read that then you understand you're like oh I feel this way because of this or oh I da 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 so you have to claim that you have to gain that clarity back right you have to know your why you have to know why it's cause and effect you're not yes. feeling it because there's something that happened to you that you haven't dealt with as to why you're feeling blocked or why you're unable to um you know be so courageous maybe you're afraid why are you afraid you know like there's you have to like kind of take those few steps back to like propel forward and I think that that is a huge step in gaining your fire back and then once you understand why or you understand I'm working a job I don't even like why because I like this and then you start finding classes for that mm-hmm. depending on how you are some people are natural learners so they can they can put themselves and discipline themselves well to do it. Others need a book, like a self-help book. Others need a class, um, to go to and, and be around people and see it. Like, I think it was Tyler saying you need to watch somebody else. You know, as a dancer, sometimes you just need to see it again. You need to feel it again. Um, you have to put yourself in that environment, which is something else that I've been doing now that New York is not too bad anymore. Now we are kind of open. So your girl can go take a dance class or two and that has helped tremendously. Um, I had to stop teaching so much. I had to focus on what was my language. What What is the stories that I wanted to tell? What what did I want to do? You know, you have to recognize what your triggers are. Are you doom scrolling on social media? And you see Susan over here done by the house at 19. And you're just like, well, why did I have a house at 19? And then you all started trying to get into real estate and do all this extra work that you didn't even want to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to... Be really, really, really self-aware. And I think once you have that self-awareness first, then you develop that self-love. And then once you develop that self-love, then you're able to set those boundaries and that, okay, as long as I dance today, I'm good. Or you make sure that I ate my mac and cheese at dinner because I wanted to, but you have to make sure you start prioritizing yourself. And I think that that's something that artists don't do we're so we're naturally givers right we're naturally always wanting to share and share and give and give and give until you're depleted and when you're depleted and you don't fill that back up like no one's really kind of especially now in today's age I'm, I'm not saying anybody's like selfish but I do feel like it's kind of taking a little bit of a selfish turn everybody's like craving like this instant gratification and we want to put out something for the likes and the views and the the um approval and it just keeps happening like that and you're depleted and then the next trend happens and body, yada, yada came out and everybody's over here watching Megan kill it and you're just like, wait, but like, I just, you know, like the, the, the fame is so short-lived. Yes. I think you have to tap back into your why so it's not short-lived. It's eternal. Yeah. You understand your why. You know, I think what you ask yourself why. You got to write down that question and do that because once you realize that you're not chasing what you want to do, then it all, it all makes so much sense. Once you start yes. living yourself, it makes a lot more sense. You're like, oh, well, I like to go take walks. I'm happier. Why have yes. I not happy the past few months? Because you didn't go take a walk. Like you know. <laughs> so you to understand. I know that went on the ramp, but I think getting your fire back is knowing yourself again.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Listen, she she kind of just preached. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I wanna I wanna um in the interest of time and because we do have one more general question that I definitely want to get around Robin on, I'm gonna ask um my last specific question, and this is for Kiki, but I do also kind of want to hear from Megan on it um before we do uh Jude, your question about um, fear. Um so Kiki, you uh for those who don't know, um have performed in multiple groups, obviously, and you've done so publicly. Most recently, I think this is the most recent big thing, um, you were at the BET Hip Hop Awards with Lil Wayne and 2 Chains. Uh, okay, dancing on stage. Um, now, I, I often tell people that out of all of the creatives, I tend to respect dancers the most because I, I, I would be the most intimidated. Acting doesn't necessarily scare me, but dancing does. Because acting, I can hide behind the character, you know? It's not Justin on stage. It shouldn't be Justin on stage. It's the character on stage, right? But when you're dancing, and I mean, obviously, we talked about concert performance where you are actually telling a story. Sometimes when you're dancing, that's kiki on stage, right? And it's your, it's Megan on stage. It's your body, vulnerable and wordless in front of masses, right? So I think about that all the time. And I respect dancers so much, always will. Also, because like, I can't really dance. Um, that being said, I want to ask you, and I, I want to start with Kiki because I'm curious how the paradigm shifts when it comes to concert dance. When you are performing in a group, how, especially in commercial dance, how do you project your personality while you're doing identical choreography, right? And the reason I directed this to Kiki is because I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like with concert dancing is there less room for expression almost like you're it's It. do you feel like you have to be more, you have to fall in line more when you're doing like, when you're part of a, a big concert operatic performance than if you're, let's say it's you and two other people doing like a hip hop dance, but then even so, how does your personality manifest in choreography, especially when it's not your own?
5: Oh man. So <laughs> I'm not too sure if I had the answer for this because I like to consider myself a little bit of the rebellious one because you got to go out there and give it all you got. And that's just my kind of that's just my way of doing things. I've always kind of kind of gotten in trouble for that. Right. And the most humble way possible, I would dance. And it's either like the choreographer would change it to what I did or I would get in trouble and need to tone it down to meet the energy of the other dancers in the room, right? And that's kind of uh it's an up and down, it's a scale, it's a risk, right? Mm-hmm. With, it's so tricky for dancers and it, it kind of, it makes me like fire up because we train and we train and we train and we train and we train just to go to kind of to the audition and get told you can't really outshine the artist or you can't mm-hmm. really stand out, you come kind of out to fall back in be like, i don't want to fall back in line i don't want to dance and with no restriction because you train and you work so hard for this so um but it's, it is a truth you do have to um code switch or mend to the job mm-hmm. that you need to do right so um specifically with artists you cannot outshine them that's not that's not that's no bueno mm-hmm. you can get fired for that um you don't want to do that because the artist is the center point of that job. So your job is to accentuate that or just kind of be extra movement on stage. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It just it just is what it is. That's the gig, um,
2: yeah.
5: Right. So if you outshine the artist, like I said, usually don't 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 book the job, probably because you're too good. And I've been told that before um that I was too good to be you know beside this artist or that artist and it was such a confusing and mind-blowing thing to hear
1: mm-hmm. because subtle flex it's, but listen, yeah. yeah. But
5: I, I, it's not a slow flex. I'm, I'm just being honest because you go out there, you give it all you got. You're killing it. You're doing backflips and tilts and you're in your heels and you're you're trying to stand out because you're in an audition room with thousands of people. You need to stand out. That's when you're supposed to kill it. Right. But then like, you can't really kill it too much. You just have to know what you're auditioning for because... If you're dancing for Beyonce, you might want to be a little bit more full out. But if you're dancing for an artist that maybe doesn't dance as much, but they want dancers on stage, you have to be able to do a little side step, real nice and real contained because you can't overpower them. Mm. Um, usually, the people behind the table tend to find your match and find your equal. So I don't really know if that's... I think you just have to walk into the room Kind of know that you're great and do what you do and you get the job or you won't what's meant for you is for you and what's not is is not and yeah. realize that it's not that consequential and notice that they'll just be there'll be another opportunity um i'm not really sure how to answer that question because it's very tricky yeah you kill it you could be the best dancer in the room and not get booked and that could mm-hmm. be because of how you look it could be because of your height it can be because of your weight It could be because the director didn't like you. It could be because you're a Libra. It could be because you have green eyes. It could be literally anything can take you off the book for booking the job. So I don't know if it's to blame dancing with the group or if it's to blame just because of the opinion of the person behind the table or if it's just... You could look too much like the ex girlfriend, and you you just don't just look. like. There's like it's that really
2: cool. yeah.
5: It's to each their own, and it's just tailored to the project. What I will say is the best thing that a dancer can do is just to be prepared and be as educated and most versatile as they can be. Yes. I love a versatile dancer. I try to be one myself. Um, no ballet, no modern, no hip hop, no heels. Know how to pole dance, know how to circus dance, know how to play a guitar, know how to play a drum, know how to do a backflip. Just know how to do as many things as you can and walk in there and say, What do you want?
2: Mm-hmm.
5: I want a backflip and then I want you to play the drums. I right, bet. And that's what you just are able to do that because you're just skillful. I think right. that all any artist can do to benefit themselves and to create the most opportunity for themselves is to just be skillful, have yes. more, yes. be able to embody multiple looks. That's something that I um, gained a little more confidence in as being a dancer as well, is realizing that I'm able to embody a lot of different looks. Mm-hmm. Why? I be- deal with hair extensions and, you know, braids and makeup. And you can look like anything. We can look like anything. Our hair can literally do anything. Where before it was kind of like, why your hair look like that? Where now it's like, you want it to be. It can be anything, you know? Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but...
0: No, thank you. That, that's, <laughs> listen, that was really, uh, yeah, that was very insightful. And I'm curious, uh, Megan, how how you uh, tackle this specifically coming from um, more of a troupe kind of background where like you're traveling with Ailey and everybody and this is what we're doing, you know? Yeah.
4: Yeah. In response to the commercial... Seen like i think for me people have always asked me why have you taken some of those uh gigs you know not that i don't want to that i or that i think i can't but it's just that what draws me away from that is that i can't have my resume or i don't feel as empowered when it's a list of backup for this backup for this backup for i'm the kind of person who wants to pave the way as my own mm. i want a name for myself you know whether it is a part of this company i want to be megan not the backup for this star you know i can be that star i have it in me to be that person so I, I, even though I value it and I applaud those who do it because they do it well, but for me personally, I, I don't see myself in that scene for that reason. That's why I stick to more of a concert dance scene. And I think that for, in, in that world, what's hard about the individuality is that on the, on the opposite end, we, we are also taught to when you audition, need to be able to do the same steps. They teach at the same time, do the same plie, whatever it might be. The, the step is the same, but now how do you make it you?
2: they'll Mm -hmm. teach you
4: it no matter what here's here's a here's part a to part b do that but it's about how you embody it and so what i what i've realized about myself is that i have a meganography like a megan-esque way of moving so i think that by knowing yourself kiki you were talking about being self-aware that's how you stand out in that room i don't need to be anything or put on anything but knowing myself they see that okay she's confident Mm -hmm. you know I i don't like people who want to be in the in the front center which is a great place to be you're seen but if you don't know yourself, you're just kind of taking up the space, you know, but doing right. what with it, you know, right. I think that, um, yeah, when you're given something, embody it as you translate it as what you, who you are, that's what makes you seen
2: mm-hmm. And in, in
4: performances. I, I see people who take the risk and who, who will stand there in silence and, and take up the space. I can look at you, be still and be inspired mm-hmm. to be drawn to tears by seeing you in stillness because you know who you are.
0: Go back spoke, to Michael Jackson
4: yes yes exactly <laughs> people will applaud him for a whole 10 minutes because he's sitting there in stillness you know he knows yeah.
0: himself yeah, yeah yeah that's that's beautiful um, and uh, we'll take you know the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes you know for our wrap up after this next question Jude has but I just want to say you know um, Jude and I are practitioners of Jeet Kune Kundo which is the philosophy sure. of martial expression and Jude and I can we can do the same. Movement, but will look a little different because it's yeah. in different bodies. And so, you know, I always I did a presentation once on the relationship between martial arts and dance because it's it's storied. Um, but that's for another podcast. I'll just say that I appreciated hearing um, you two talk about that um, from your your uh, individual perspectives because I think that that's um, I think that's a question a lot of people might have. You know, um, about like expression and, and dance, and dance is so like. I feel like you know I can go into an audition to for a certain role and I don't get it and like I you know it's it's easier to not take that personally because it's like okay well maybe I don't know you know Tyler and Jay how y'all feel but it's like okay maybe I was off that day or this character didn't really feel right anyway I just wanted it because they said that um, Zossie Beats was going to do a walk on maybe and I wanted to meet her you know (laughs) it wasn't really for me but when you're dancing it's like. Like you said, Kiki, I gave this my all. And this is me, like I'm not hiding anything. So for me to not get it, it is, I feel like I would probably take that personally. And you know, I'm, I don't know if I'd be uh, uh strong of character enough to withstand that for too much longer, but maybe this ties into Jude's question um, about, uh, well, I'll let you say it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are some of y'all's biggest fear as a performer? And how do
0: you combat it? Yeah. A
1: performer or a playwright.
3: Can't be
0: performer or playwright. It's still <laughs> and, a
7: performance.
0: Like shit. Mm-hmm. And we can uh whoever wants to start, you know. Tyler. Yeah. So
7: uh ever since I I was young and was watching iCarly and I was like, oh, this is so cool. I wanna have, I wanna be in a family like this. Not a white family, but like <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's cool i want to be an actor um i i was like but what if i freeze mm-hmm. and so like it hasn't it's never happened but it's it's always a fear of of getting on stage or getting in front of the camera and just melting internally or or or, or like folding into myself to the point where i i'm, I'm in my body but like i i can't Control it the way that I usually do. Mm-hmm. I, you in that sunk in place. Yeah, it's sunk in place in myself, right? But um, the best the best remedy for that is just preparing, preparing, mm-hmm. preparing, preparing your ass off uh, more than you need to, and and like I said, it's never happened to me because I feel like I prepare all the time. I, I'm always making sure that I that I know the material and know my connection to it, as Megan said. And, and and that always keeps me there. Yes. Yeah. I like that. That was fire.
6: anybody
1: else? Jay? I haven't mean, heard from you in a minute, my man.
6: <laughs> it's a tough question because I'm I'm trying to think because I have a whole bunch of fears, to be quite honest with you. But um the main one I would say as a playwright and as an actor, I would say my fear is like uh not telling the story. I think whether something like happens, whether that's like in the form of like freezing on stage, or if that takes in the form of like something else in which the story is not being told or it stops. I think that's a fear for me. Seeing my works done by other people, it's hard because I'm not the director. And so Mm -hmm. I can't be like, this is how you, or, you know, let me guide you so that you, you know, everything, everyone interprets what I write. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. my fear is that I'm not clear in the story yes. or there's a lack of clarity because at the end of the day, sometimes the playwright can be in the room, but a lot of the times they aren't. Mm-hmm. And so to have like a production of, of something and someone interprets your language as something different, yeah, it, that, you know, that's a scary thing because your name is still attached to the play but it might not be your play anymore
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's like would it be like your that like you have your baby you have your child and it goes on vacation with its friends
7: mm-hmm.
1: you don't it's, know what the hell's going on with the other family it's, it's your not, child out there and you have no
6: control over right. what happens it's not even vacation just imagine that you birth is you're like i would say a play like it's like a surrogate it's like you hold and mm. you like birth it, it incubates and you know, like you birth it. And then you're like, okay, world, boom, do what you, you know, raise it in the way that you want. Direct it, take this, cast, actor, do that. And there are different versions of your child out there. Um, and you really have no control over anything that's not on the page. Mm-hmm. And so I have to get as clear as I can on the page, which is why I say, like, the language and the words be so specific in the way that I write. Um, Mm. That was dope. Thank you, man. Yes.
5: My biggest fear is not reaching my potential. You know, I feel...
2: Mm, I feel that.
5: I feel it's very scary because, personally, I just have a lot of big dreams, a lot of big goals. And sometimes... You know, you know you're dreaming right when it seems like it's out of reach. You know, at least I know I'm setting high standards for myself, but um, it can be really scary sometimes, especially when things like a worldwide pandemic happen and (laughs) kind of sweep everything from under your feet. Um, But it doesn't necessarily mean that because it opens doors for new things. Um, Yeah. But I fear because when I first came to New York, I would explore a lot like I would just walk around and I remember getting into so many conversations with people I would always ask people like well what do you want to be what do you really they'll be like oh I want to be like a doctor I'm like no but like what do you really want to be it's always like they're always like looking around and like all right so I wanted to be like a musician but you know you know they always like have like this side thing that they want to do and I could just I would be able to like pinpoint I would look at somebody and be like they don't look happy you know like in New York there's so many people that if you look on the train or around you they're just kind of like. It's almost ghostly, like they're kind of just going around, and I wonder how many people came here probably like with a dream, but it like didn't work out that way because you know the the city is tough or like life is tough itself. I just wonder, you know, Mm. and I always fear that I'll end up kind of taking the safety job over the Mm. dream, you know. And even now in the pandemic, there's so many times I'm like, you know, I'm looking for the jobs, and I'm like, "Ah, I can just do this, you know, for the meantime. But you to put yourself. In the position to get too comfortable. I mean, some people can and they like have in the back of their mind, like, okay, but like when this day hits, I'm out, like no if, ands, or buts, you know. But some people you really get comfortable, you know, and I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of taking something that's gonna make me or help me live well, but then it kind of takes a lot of your time away from being able to put yourself out there and create, you know, creation or being creative is the. And so it was a job. So I think finding mm-hmm. that work-life balance is something that I'm trying to master every day. And I just fear, I fear not not reaching it. And it sucks, you know, cause you spent so much time like went to school, you went to studios, you went to all those practices to, to not be what you set out to be. That's scary. Yeah.
3: You know? yeah. That's scary to me. Very true.
1: Me gone. <laughs>
4: I would say my biggest fear is getting to a point of, say, if I'm, if I'm in a company long-term, that I get to a point of just going through the motions in the choreography because repertory companies can be the same piece. Like being on Broadway, if you guys can relate yeah. that way, is that it's the same choreography every night, same lines right every night. Yep. So if I'm doing the same movement every night, we'll ever get to a point that I'm like, I'm not feeling it in my soul anymore. That doesn't feel fresh every time.
5: Mm-hmm. And I, I
4: guarantee that there are dancers that feel that some nights because we're human. You could just be tired some night. I'm hungry one night. I just want to go home. You just go, you go, you can, you go through it. Not like, um, phoning it in, but just a good standard. Like meeting, like meeting, like a, like a setting a standard for yourself. So you don't go below, below that. It wasn't a terrible performance, but it was good enough to deliver. And it was honest enough. But I, I do fear that one, that one day I'm like 30 years in and it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm good. You know? So for now me, what I need to that? do is yeah. To, to fight that is that I go back to where it started. Mm-hmm. So I go back to the kids who train where I, where I grew up, you know, and in seeing them and the, how, how, how wide eyed they are, how hungry they are to be where I am. That's enough for me to say, get, kiss your butt back in it. You know, mm. it, yeah. it yeah. kind of is like an alarm for me to stay, stay focused, stay my path. Yeah.
0: Yeah. White belt mentality. That's you know? Very true. Bringing it yeah. back yeah. to Marshall. mom arts. said
1: to me when I got my black belt, she was like, think of it as a white belt all over again, man? Yeah, that's right. I'm Justin. Real oh, quick. I want to hear from y'all because y'all y'all uh-huh.
0: Ahmad, you wanna... I had
1: my one role. You know, as a wheelchair drug dealer. You know, <laughs> 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 on blue. Bloods. No, seriously, I was on Blue Bloods as a wheelchair drug addict.
0: Incredible! I will
1: have to go
3: to that episode and go. There he go. <laughs> That's my addict right here. That's my addict right there. <laughs> yes, go Go ahead, Justin.
0: Oh uh, no, you go first because I'm a because I'm gonna do the, you know, okay.
3: Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: I'm gonna okay. tie it in.
3: I got you. Um, <laughs> I can relate to what Megan said about um, losing that fire. Um, there, there, there were certain times where I was thinking about this as I was, as I am home. Uh, when it came to me getting back into having, having that fire to go back into auditioning and getting ready for when. We're always open again to be ready for the auditions, be ready their first day out. Um, But the thought in my head was, am I going to have that capacity to be good enough? Or will I have that, that will to keep grinding and keep doing this day in and day out and hoping for that golden opportunity to be on, to be on that stage or be in that certain TV show or film. Um, and, and that was, that was like one of, one of the biggest fears that I was going through, um, ever, ever since I've been back. Yeah. And so just, yeah, basically having, questioning myself if I will be, uh, good enough. Uh, well, <laughs> we're well, having to have, well, not, not really that having that, uh, fire coming back in, in, into me again.
0: hmm I think um, for me, it's similar to what Jay said. It's disservice is uh, my greatest fear. I, I don't want to take something on and, and not do it well um, because, you know, uh, what would have been the point? And I think the way I combat that is, you know, as an actor, my, my method involves research. I love like, you know, even if it's not a, an actual like biopic or something, like I just, what, it, what does this character do? Okay, let me find out what people who do that are like. And I think, you know, my, my combat, my battle plan uh, for roles is just making sure that I have an absolute, kind of like Tyler said, preparation, really. Making sure that I have the entire toolkit that I need, you know, so that, you know, if I'm in something that's bad, it's not bad because of me, you know? Like, and, and I, did, I did my utmost to, to tell the story that um, needed or wanted to be told. Um, but yeah, that's a great question, Jude. And um, uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate all of your time. Of course, before we go, we have a longstanding tradition on HVO. We always have to end on a positive note. So I'd like to know what your song of the week is. Each of us mm. will go around and tell what a song is that we've been listening to on repeat this week. Um, just one, because our playlist is already very long
2: on,
0: <laughs> yeah. i still gotta do that shit <laughs> yeah but we update we update our playlist every episode with the um with the guests submissions so mm-hmm. uh the hosts can go first to give y'all some time to look through your spotify apple music soundcloud uh jude what's yours
1: uh i want to say southside by lloyd i've been trying to get out my gangster mode for a second so let me just gotcha the rock. so southside <laughs> by lloyd. Oh man, I, I, I really I don't even
3: need to like search it up. But it's been I've been playing this like throughout this week. It was like five or seven, five to seven times. And the group is H uh, Town. If you know H Town, you know good old not you know knocking the boots. But this song that they made was is an underrated song. It's called Natural Woman. Oh my god, it just slaps. So this is, hard. This is
0: not related to the Aretha Franklin single.
3: No, n- not, not at all. It's, it's the R&B slapper. Oh mm. my goodness. I was <laughs> caught off guard by, I mean, no, no, H-Time, you, you really don't. But that one, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, bro. Heard you. Um, for yeah. me, I'm going to say, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Good Days uh, by SZA. Um it's just, it's doing something to me in this, in this season. <laughs>
3: I still got to listen to that. That's what I listened to it yet.
0: It's good. Well, you probably are. If you saw the, the music video for uh, Hit Different, she sings that song at the end of that video. Um, but we'll start from the bottom. We'll go up. Tyler?
7: Yes. Uh, so if y'all know the, the rap group Flat with Zombies? Yes. Oh, yes. yes, sir. They got, they, they got this, uh, this, um engineer in the group one of the one of the three is eric the architect and he makes the beats mm. but he just released this ep called future proof mm. um and the first song i can't lose it's a banger but gotcha. the, the album is good the, the, the ep is good
0: i can't lose got you jay
6: um my song is actually in the band it, it's from a a stage play a church state stage play in the band of Tyler Perry. Um, it's, I
0: how did I know that somehow Tyler Perry was going to come back? <laughs>
6: it's, not, it's not from a Tyler Perry stage production, but it's from another stage production. Gotcha. Um, I also real quick, I want to know this. This is again about the Eurocentric view of what's good, what's not. Mm-hmm. Church stage plays or gospel stage plays are really good. Some of them are really good. The ability yeah. that some of those actors have. With storytelling while singing, the technique some of them have, while some of those girls on Broadway.
2: So I just want
6: to say that and put that out there that we are not knocking down the books. But the song itself is um, "Rediscover Yourself" by Lucretia Campbell. The things that she does with her voice, the storytelling that she does with that song, it's just amazing. So I just want to put that out there. Understood. Understood. Yes,
2: Kiki.
5: Um, I'm a little. The song I, I had on repeat uh, this week was released in 2011. I think it's by Florence and the Machine. It's called "Shake It Out." Um, if love you really it. Get into your feelings. She talks about how it's hard to dance with the devil on your back.
2: So mm-hmm.
5: shake it out. Um, and you'll you'll hear the story in the lyrics, but that one has me like it puts me back in the mindset of like you got to keep going, You got to keep yes. going. Yes. Mm.
0: Yeah, Ten I really I really like Florence and the Machine. Yeah. <laughs> And Megan, finally,
4: yes, mine is definitely Cynthia Revo singing "I'm Here" from Color Purple. Oh, yes, my goodness. her <laughs> voice, it's the it's the the spirit that is awakened in me when she sings that at the end, that high note. Uh, like, it, it, that's all I need to get through my day. <laughs> like, she snatched my whole spirit.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should have just asked show tune of the week. Like, what's what's the what's <laughs> the uh, the musical piece that y'all love the most? Um, Way down Hades Town. I, I tend to usually just go back to Dreamgirls and listen to any one of the the multiple Jimmy Early songs. <laughs> oh, can shoot. I tell you all yeah. the truth? Speaking of, this is a question that we will save for the next time we have actors on, but I definitely, one role that I definitely wished I could have played at some point was Jimmy Early. Like I was waiting for LaGuardia to announce they were doing Dreamgirls because I was like, let me just be Eddie Murphy. Let me do it. I can do it. But, you know, it wasn't for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it will be.
0: Maybe, maybe wait. someday. But with that said, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. I want to thank our beautiful roundtable for uh, yeah. being patient with us during, you know, getting this all set up. We had some technical difficulties up top, but we made it work. Tons of gems dropped. I really appreciate it. And uh, if you like what you heard here, you can find more Uptown Love on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Radio now. Because yes, we post it oh, on that there. and uh, keep it tuned right here we'll find out whether or not justin will be on the next episode will my head feel good enough to speak after i get my wisdom teeth pulled out i don't know uh but that's happening tomorrow y'all send your prayers
1: oh um, good luck bro <laughs> thank good luck, you bro. i hope they shoot you with a lot of novocaine
0: i hope so too i don't want to feel anything but thank you very much for tuning in be blessed deuces
2: love you
0: hey guys future justin here past Justin was going through a lot and when he said don't let me forget to let y'all plug yourselves at the end what did he forget to let them plug themselves at the end so please allow future Justin to correct this grievous error first off miss Megan King at M-E-A-G-A-N-K-I-N-G underscore on Instagram follow her to find out more about her private dance lessons where she leads individual and group sessions in ballet hip-hop West African and more She's also a fitness and meditation coach and an advisor for youth seeking arts high school education. Kiki Simone also offers personal instruction, which you can find information about on her website, www.kikisymone.com. But if you want to see her activating some of that raw expression she talked about on this episode, follow her on Instagram at underscore I-M-K-I-K-I. Jay Mazick is one of those people you'll want to brag about knowing back when. So follow them now on Instagram at underscore J-A-Y-M-A-Z-Y-C-K and keep up with all of their playwriting exploits. Finally, Tyler Fields is on YouTube as The Reen Blackter, that's R-E-E-N-B-L-A-C-T-O-R, and Instagram as at triplexgold, where you can find the link to his most recent short film work in the bio. Thank you for your patience. Be easy.